This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. New York Jets never disappoint. They have turned into must-watch, I don't know, not TV, scenario, must-watch free agency, must-watch off-season. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on your smart speaker. Uh, and, you know, in all seriousness, for just a brief second, as Nick Friedle is in the, the seaport and Randy Scott here in Bristol, and you being at the seaport and seeing a tweet from uh, – from Mike Greenberg's wife today, uh, updating everybody on his status. And he had a, a heart procedure, a cardiac ablation. And that's kind of close to my family right now. My dad had one far older than Greeny, but my dad had one very recently as well. So I know what that recovery looks like. So obviously sending our best to the most you know notable Jets fan at this company as we, we continue our discussion of Greeny's favorite team. And the fact that Odell Beckham Jr., Nick, is very much on the table for the Jets. And you look at what the ceiling could be. And you let yourself get weird. You're not a, a Jets fan. Grew up in Florida. I'm not a Jets fan. Um, but let yourself dream here on behalf of those who don't have their voice while Greeny's on the shelf now and, and recovering. How good could this team? What is their ceiling if you play around fantasy football style and say they add Rodgers and OBJ? Super Bowl. I really believe that. And I believe that not only because Aaron Rodgers says he intends to play for the Jets, Randy. I believe it because we saw what that defense can do. Can you imagine if Aaron Rodgers had been on that team last year instead of Zach Wilson for a large majority of what was going on? We know what Rodgers can be on the field, but even more, we know how much he improves all the other guys around him. So that is what Mm -hmm. I would be banking on. But it's fascinating to me, as you're talking about the Jets and what they might be and the interest level that has become on who they might add and what type of players may want to play there, we are talking about the Jets as if we're talking about an NBA team in the summertime. Well, who may go there? What free agent might come there? And if that guy goes there, who else might want to fall in line? And as I listen more and more to what's gone on with this Jets team, I see a lot of similarities as to how NBA teams are built in the present day and just how much hype surrounds a team that hasn't even come to fruition yet. It's not just a destination. The Jets aren't just a destination right now. They seem to be the mm-hmm. destination, Nick. You're right. And there is that in the NBA, often in the offseason. There's a spot that seems to draw more uh, more attention where the light is is drawing stronger flies uh, than other teams. This was Jeff Darlington. Don't just take our word for it. We're not just speaking this into existence. This is Jeff Darlington on Get Up earlier today speaking about how OBJ very much in play for the Jets. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> all right. Uh, and that's the most important thing I think about this conversation is the fact that just because you see this wide receiver room continuing to shift does not mean that they are done work. We should very much consider Odell Beckham Jr. still on the table as an option for the New York Jets. In fact, we can go even further to say that both sides would still like to see this done. Financials still in the way of actually finalizing this thing, but I still think that Odell Beckham Jr. will wind up with the New York Jets. That's Jeff Darlington, who also was on our show earlier in the afternoon talking about, uh, you know, what sort of fit it would be with Aaron Rodgers because Nick just as in the NBA to your point it's one thing for one player with some power and some pull and some sway in an organization to want something to happen it's another for that to work 
X's and O's wise between the lines. And an example that jumps to my mind is, didn't LeBron want Russell Westbrook in the in Los Angeles? <laughs> he doesn't want anybody to remember that, Randy, but that's exactly <laughs> how that happened. Russell Westbrook came to the Lakers because LeBron wanted it to be so. And once it started to happen, and you saw how the pairing and uh, the group was playing with Anthony Davis and how Russell Westbrook did not fit into what they had built, everyone went, uh-oh, we got a big problem. Yeah. But it shows the power if you are that level of player, and LeBron is one of the all-time greats, how that type of player and power can have on an organization. We are seeing it to exactly what you're saying with Aaron Rodgers right now, and he's not even on the Jets. <laughs> We still don't even know if this thing is going to get rubber stamped and finalized and he's going to play in New York. But this shows just how much sway he does have. And this shows in this moment just how much it seems like the Jets are doing everything they possibly can to make him feel comfortable with a move for the first time in his career. That's Nick Friedle. I'm Randy Scott. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And the thing that we've learned when players are given general manager autonomy seemingly is players make great players they don't often make great general managers LeBron's a fine example of that I think Aaron Rodgers is just asking for his chance to prove what he can or can't do and put a wish list out and see what the Jets will build around him but this is Jeff Darlington earlier what I think works in the Jets favor now that perhaps didn't work in the Lakers favor is Russell Westbrook in his eyes was still that guy was still Alpha 1, not 1A, Alpha. He was that guy. And what Jeff Darlington has to say about Beckham and his willingness to embrace a different role than he's had at previous stops, that could be what makes all of this work. You know, I know he's he's dealt with his injuries, especially with the Rams there and even before that, but Julio Jones, for instance, when he went to the Bucks or even the Titans, he didn't necessarily fall into that number two wide receiver role all that well. I think Odell, from from what I've heard, would be better at that. Like he, I think he's effective at being maybe a lesser role than just the number one, and that does come with nuance. And I'm not saying that mean that's not from an ego standpoint. It's more from a, can you clear out players? Can you do certain things that number twos are expected to do? And from my understanding, Odell not only would be pretty good at that, he would also embrace it. That's notable. It's notable as Odell is looking at 30 years old. It's notable as Odell is looking at one uh, surgically reconstructed knee. And it's notable as he tries to put a, a dollar figure, Nick, on his own value right now on the open market. You know, you're as valuable as the market tells you you are. Randy, it is crucial. And it is such a terrific comparison because Russell Westbrook came in thinking, hey, I'm still the man. You and I both know, having covered sports long enough, so much of the fabric of a locker room and whether or not players work well together with certain other players is how their egos combine when it's time to win. And in the case of Odell Beckham, that point by Jeff Darlington is so important to keep hammering home. If he's okay with the idea that he's no longer the number one guy and he's all right going to a new team and playing a secondary role, then I would be even more comfortable signing him. Because if Odell Beckham was coming into 
potentially that Jets receivers room and saying, hey, I'm the man still. I've done all these different things in the league. I helped the Rams win a Super Bowl before I got hurt. I know what I can be, and I can still be the number one guy. Then I would say, eh, good luck, because you've got a reconstructed knee now. You are on the wrong side of 30, and you know that that would be something that would play out over the weeks uh, of a, uh, an NFL season. Now that he has come to a different place, I would feel like, all right, this is a veteran receiver who may be able to help my other young guys grow up in a system as they face the pressure inherently that comes with playing in a Hall of Famer like Aaron Rodgers. And again, we're talking about two guys who aren't even on the same roster yet, especially the first one, especially Rodgers. They're not even on the roster. Yes, yes, (laughs) wagging the tail. We're talking about Rodgers, and he's not even there yet and could not be there perhaps until June. It's Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. With Lamar Jackson, there is going to be a lot of drama in the coming weeks, if not months. He should stand firm, put his feet in the ground, and say, hey, look, I need the guaranteed money. I'm not willing to go ahead and play this thing out year to year. If he decides they're not going to give me what I want, I don't want to be here. He needs to demand a trade. Why would he take the discount in this situation when there are other viable teams that would treat him better and pay him every penny he wants? Like, why would you take less than that to stay with Baltimore? Oh, there's a new twist and a new name to learn in the Lamar Jackson Baltimore Ravens as the world turns. What does the name Ken Francis mean to you? We're going to tell you. This is Adam Schefter, ESPN NFL Insider, tweeting out moments ago that the NFL sent a memo to all clubs letting them know that the NFLPA has informed the league that a person by the name of Ken Francis, who is not an NFLPA certified agent, Maybe contacting teams and attempting to persuade team personnel to enter into negotiations with Lamar Jackson. If this sounds familiar, we want to play this from Kimberly A. Martin, our NFL reporter here at ESPN, who dialed in. Kmart will do this. She's dialed in more than she lets on. She protects her sources. And this is Kimberly A. Martin, a report from yesterday that seemed to suggest this was coming. I've been told, yes, there is a family friend who has been reaching out to uh, a couple teams. The problem here is that this family friend, I believe a friend of the mother's, is not NFLPA certified. So the teams are not going to talk to this person. You're not going to discuss business with this person. He's not allowed to. So if, if a team is interested in Lamar Jackson, the only person they will talk to is Lamar Jackson or potentially his mother. Um, but really, as of this point, no teams have, have talked to Lamar. Okay, now again, what complicates it is of Lamar's own choosing, and in a way, Nick, I respect it. I do. I mean, he's trying to save money. No agent, you know, he's trying not to give two, three percent of two hundred million dollars potentially to someone else. I understand, but that's how you get to a point where the league has to warn its teams, right, or let the players' association know that Ken Francis can't do the bidding. He's not properly trained, out of protection for the athlete himself. Ken Francis cannot negotiate this deal. Randy, I've been in New York now a little over a year, and it reminds me of when I land at LaGuardia or JFK and the loudspeaker comes on and they say, please do not take a ride from anybody that is coming up to you who who is not, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not signed and sealed to be able to give you one. 
This is the same idea. Do not talk to somebody who's not certified. Do not talk to somebody who the Players Association hasn't cleared. This is why, if you're Lamar Jackson, and you and I have been talking about it not just over the last four hours now, but for weeks, the amount of money that you have on the line, if it's 1% or 2% of 200-plus million, Randy Scott wouldn't it be worth it to just say, hey, person, agent, <laughs> please take care of all this. You know what for me. It's driving me nuts, yeah. and it's starting to have an impact day-to-day on everything else going on in my life. Yeah, and I could lose tens of millions of dollars because I'm not maximizing my own value, potentially, yeah. because I don't know how to do this. Because I, I truly don't know how to do this. Now, there is a fine that's involved here for a team that runs through this stop sign that the NFL has sent out via memo, and you're like, well, that fine must be cost prohibitive. And you're like, well, Randy, what's the fine? NFL memo says teams are prohibited from negotiating offer sheets or potential trades with people who are not certified, and any team that does so can be fined. Are you ready for this? $54,409. Oh, no. Oh, Dude, no. someone's going to negotiate with Ken Francis. I Completely. That's all yep. it is? Uh-huh. That's all it is. Ken Francis is going to have a busy night on that cell. He better have nights and weekends, man, because that cell phone. <laughs> that cell phone. You're talking about you're talking about teams that are worth four or five billion now, and you're worried about a fifty thousand dollar fine stopping somebody. Come on, right, right for a nine figure contract. Oh. Like it's not, it does not compute as a as a as a concern. It's 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 interesting. I don't know what, why. Let's see here. How do we do this? Why? Would the league go out of their way? Because Adam's getting this from someone that he trusts, right? I mean, this news is meant to get out. Why would the league put this out? It seems as though the only impact this is going to have is to draw attention to or point out the fact that this is not a professionally certified agent, right? That someone working on Lamar's behalf is by title, by sheer lack of certified qualities, not able to do this. It feels like, Randy, that they're trying to, by the league getting this out, it feels like they're just trying to knock down Lamar Jackson for a second, frankly. Yes. I mean, that that's what this is. When when you put this out, and and I, I agree with you completely, we see this in the NBA plenty. There is a reason that Shefty was able to put this information out in into the world. Somebody in the league office is sitting there going, not only do we maybe want to knock Lamar Jackson down for a second, Mm -hmm. we do not want this to become the norm moving forward when there is somebody outside of our circle who is trying to drum up support and interest in in one of our players. That that is it. This this does very little to... Uh, knock some veracity or validity off of collusion claims from anybody, you know, in Lamar Jackson's orbit. You know, for him to look around the league and say, "You're telling me 31 NFL teams." I mean, this is what Tom Brady went through when he was in his own free agent, you know, pursuit, where he yeah. said, "You're telling me I'm not better than that word I can't say on radio." You know, Lamar's probably thinking the same thing, and he's wondering, "Man, this just doesn't smell right." And now I've got a memo with my name. And someone who's close to me and maybe close to my family and whoever Ken Francis is to Lamar Jackson, his name's being dragged league-wide right now through Adam Schefter and his seven 
million followers? Like, this isn't going to do, in my opinion, first blush, first reaction. Again, this tweet from Adam Schefter, moments old. This isn't going to do anything to help the relationship or engender any goodwill between Lamar Jackson and the league. Not just Baltimore, the league. Right. And Randy, that's part of the the whole uh, conversation now because uh, I can't get into where Lamar Jackson uh, is, stands right now in the conversations he's having within his inner circle because he hasn't made his voice known. But what came very clear over the last couple of weeks and all the reporting that all of our colleagues has done is that Lamar Jackson and those close to him clearly thought that another offer was going to be on the horizon and that more money from somewhere else mm-hmm. would come to force Baltimore's hand. And what's become very apparent in in short order was that that money isn't anywhere right now. How many teams lined up immediately? It's like the Schefter tweet. How many teams lined up to put out there through somebody, hey, uh, we don't have interest. Uh, Lamar's cool, but we're not we're not going that direction. Once that started to happen, and now this memo pops out there, if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm sitting there going, all right, <laughs> I don't know if this is going to play out the way I had hoped for. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm not willing to uh, not willing to think that it's through my own fault either. There's there's some there's something that would really bother me about this memo coming out. If I'm Lamar Jackson, he's Nick Friedel. I'm Randy Scott. We got the NCAA tournament resuming next hour. We're inside an hour uh, from getting the Sweet 16 off and running. We're going to talk about the storylines that we're following. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. It's courtesy of Westwood One NCAA Radio Network here on ESPN Radio. It's Canty and Carlin, as well as on the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80. And on your smart speaker, he is Nick Friedel from the Seaport in New York. I'm Randy Scott here in Bristol, Connecticut. Uh, happy pre-end to all who observe. Feel like we haven't checked in on that this hour. Uh, pre-end vibes are strong on a Thursday. Imagine how they're going to be tomorrow. No Nick Friedel. He's going to be just recovering from the uh, elation of the Nets and Cavs tonight. No, Chicago. Hey, Chicago. Randy Scott, all my friends, ESPN 1000. Tomorrow is the 25th anniversary. At the station. So what? I'm headed to Chicago, Illinois. Oh, you Shout out see- to oh. Waddle and Sylvie yes. and everybody else out there. Oh, you're going to see why. I, I don't know Sylvie well enough to say I love him. But I mean, I obviously listen to the show. I love Waddle, though. Love Tom Waddle. Everybody loves Tommy Waddle. That's my guy. Um, 
Man, yeah, we used to do Sunday shows and all that sort of good stuff. Uh, love Tom Waddle. Love, <laughs> love this Lamar Jackson story. Uh, we have a response from Lamar. Okay, remember <laughs> Adam Schefter putting out the report. Uh, you that- didn't sell me on that laugh hard enough, Randy Scott. Come on now. <laughs> Come on. Just- you love this story. We got a new character in the play here. It is amazing. The- okay, yes. There we go. There we go. I'm John Broker. Uh, NFL sent a memo. <laughs> To all clubs, letting them know that the NFLPA informed the league, a person by the name of Ken Francis, who is not an NFLPA certified agent, may be contacting teams and attempting to persuade team personnel to enter into negotiations with Lamar Jackson. That tweet 48 minutes ago from Adam Schefter. Lamar tweeting more recently than that and more efficiently, stop lying, that man never tried to negotiate for me. That from Lamar Jackson's Twitter account itself. And that is as Lamar turns on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. We promised college basketball, Nick Friedle. Unless you have something on on his tweet, on Stop Lying, That Man Never Tried to... Hire an agent! (laughs) Hire an agent, Lamar! I thought you could do it, my man. I I really... I wanted to believe in you. Save the four or five million. I thought that you could make it happen, but... (laughs) The frustration is palpable. (laughs) Just hire an agent. That person will help you deal with all of this. It will make things much smoother for you from a PR standpoint. And in the end, as much as it hurts to write that check, it is better for your mental health moving forward. It is better for your mentals and for your bottom line, your financial mentals, your fundamentals of your financials as well. Uh, college basketball season is winding down, and that means the Wendy's Wooden Watch has begun. Go to ESPN.com and search Wooden Watch for the list of the Wooden Award nominees to watch as this season rolls on. It's brought to you by Wendy's 2 for 6 bucks, the best deal in fast food. Sweet 16. Sweet 16 tipping off in, I mean, less than an hour, right? What do we got for tip-off time? We're already underway. Kansas State already has a lead on Michigan State. It's the Sweet 16 is underway. Uh, Nick, why don't we start there? First, I'll ask, because I actually do kind of care. How's your bracket? It died about six hours into day one. Arizona. Arizona. I had Arizona in the final game. Ah. It did. I can't blame you for that. I had him in the final four in a couple of But i tell you what was worse, Randy. Uh, your number one fan, my mother, Donna, down there in Orlando. I'm standing in Vegas. I'm already enjoying the, the moment in the sports books that we're bouncing around all over in. And I get a text from Donna who says, my bracket's toast. And I went, what happened? And she goes, I listened to Jay Billis say that Arizona was going to win it all. So oh. I put them all the way through, and then on day one, gone. Oh, you know, Jay feels truly terrible about that. Yeah, I'm sure. He was talking today on Sports Center with Hannah Storm that he uh, is trailing his family's dog in the family pool. Oh, man, yeah, that the family dog bracket is is better. Um, <laughs> I feel that I feel that pain. I was um, gonna say, how is your bracket? It's I, I'm. I'm I'm I I have no integrity. You know, I filled out 14 brackets, uh a couple are the same, but otherwise I'm all over the place. So I I have no 
ground to stand on to claim any positive success because I just went scattershot at this thing. I try to win money. Yeah, I root for myself. I don't root for teams in this thing. I picked against Northwestern in several brackets. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, man. Who are you? I'm here to win. No, Randy Scott. (laughs) You picked against Northwestern? In a couple brackets, yeah. Yeah, I didn't see Syracuse in the field. Yeah, but I picked, somehow. But I yeah, they, they made their own news, but they, it wasn't because they were in the tournament. That's yeah. for damn sure. Yeah, they, hey, listen, they supported one of those wedding crasher rules. They were like, draw attention to yourself, but on your own terms. <laughs> he, he was going through all the lists, like number 77, don't retire when everybody else thinks you're making a retirement speech. Yes, yeah, and then make fun of the media for not picking That's up on right. when it happened. That was rule 67. <laughs> you guys, well, the only one of you was smart enough to pick up on it. Uh, but I did pick against Michigan State, and here they are uh, in the Sweet 16. So prove me wrong once again. To me, one of the one of the sort of popular ways of picking a bracket was, hey, the Big 12 was the best conference in basketball this year. And I, I don't know, picking Baylor to make a deep run, that didn't pan out. Picking... Uh, I don't know. I can't, I'm losing track of who has represented them, but most of them are gone. But Kansas State is playing Michigan State right now, and if you look at this, it seems like it seems like Tom Izzo's reputation is what people are more fearful of when picking against the Spartans rather than anything the Spartans do X's and O's wise. It's a hundred percent what it is because people think that the the Big Ten and it's happened several times now, Randy. They get a bunch of teams in the field, but you're just waiting for the meltdown. Well, guess what? There was the meltdown. But the only person that seems to be uh, outside of the meltdown circle is Izzo because he's proven so many different times and gotten so many different teams through into the Sweet 16 and through into multiple Final Fours. But that absolutely is what that is. I mean, it's gotten to a point now with the brackets. I, I do feel like... Everything is more open than it ever has been because not the, the, the great players aren't staying there. And if you have a coach that you believe in, a la Tom Izzo, you trust that that team will be better at the end of the season than it was at the start of the season. And, Randy, I know you watched those Spartans early on. Nobody thought this was a team that could make a legit yeah. run, and yet here they are. And no, you're right. I I I refuse to believe, and it, that you are a victim of your own of your own sample size. I saw this team play one time at a at a at a Maui invitation, you know, whatever it is, and you just remember, oh, they lost. So they, I don't know, must not be that good. They're a lower seed compared to other seasons. Like I looked at Gonzaga. So Gonzaga was in that same area, the 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 subregion, I guess you could say, as as Northwestern was out west. And Gonzaga's a three seed, and so you're like, okay, three against a fourteen. Let's say they win that, and and then let's say you know they take on the winner of UCLA and and uh, no wait, it was uh, Northwestern and Boise. They would play UCLA, and then the winner of that plays Gonzaga. And I'm like, well, Gonzaga could really make some noise here, and maybe that's what they need is not to have a one as their seating and not have that pressure and not that Gonzaga is ever going to sneak up on anyone ever again, but they are playing looser than they did in January, just in their conference when St. Mary's gave them some trouble. And now they're going to give UCLA all they can handle. And I don't know that UCLA with the injuries that they've dealt with is, has the firepower to compete with Gonzaga. I just don't, I don't see it. They're such an old team, though, and Randy, that is not something that we hear about a lot in college these days. But as I say, UCLA has an old team with Campbell and Hawkes. Well, Drew Timmy's been there about 12 years at Gonzaga. So 
you know, who who do you trust more in those spots late in games? I think we both agree that will end up being a really tight, really competitive game in a few hours here. It'll be interesting to see what uh, what uh, uh, UCLA's point guard, uh, Tiger, I'm blanking on his Campbell. last. What's that? Campbell. Campbell, what he does. He did not shoot from the field against Northwestern, still finished 12 points because he was just automatic at the free throw line. He's the guy who's, you want the ball in his hands. He's finding Jaime Jaquez. It, they were such a nightmare, and I could see that leadership helping against Gonzaga. But Gonzaga, like you said, I mean, they are they are really the, you know, in college when you play in an intramural league and you play against a grad school team, you know, and you're just hungover maybe from the night before. You're 19 years old, whatever it is, and you're going against guys with chest hair and mortgages and kids. And a full and, stash. Yeah, and they're running set plays, and you're like, why are we down double digits? We can run these guys out of the gym. But why it's just, is dad beating me up? Yeah. <laughs> They're doing underhand set shots from the free throw line. So that is the nightcap. FAU in Tennessee is going to be an interesting one at 9 p.m. Eastern in Arkansas and Connecticut. Obviously, a lot of folks here in Bristol, a lot of folks uh, in this area in Hartford County are going to be dialed in on that as well. Dialed in on LeBron James. We have an update on his condition and how he uh, attempted to clarify a report that updated his return potentially for the Lakers. That and more. It's Nick and Randy with you. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. It's coming your way in three and out as well as on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. So Woj and Dave McMenamin say that LeBron could be back, that there's optimism after an evaluation that LeBron could be back for the final week of the season, right? He's dealing with a, a foot sprain that uh, there's progress and that he could come back for three games in Los Angeles, one of them against the Clippers. Okay, then LeBron comes out and says, there's no evaluation. There has not been an evaluation. We're going to do what's right. I'm surmising here, summarizing rather. We're going to do what's right. We're going to do what's smart. We're going to be smart with this. And all this, Nick Friedle, for a Lakers team that's in the 10 spot right now. Oh, the Lakers. The soap opera never stops. Uh, Randy, who can who loves to control their own narrative more, LeBron or Tom Brady? Uh, who's in need of? Con- I think it's LeBron. I do too. I yeah. LeBron has got to feel like he is in control of whatever the information is. Whatever. <laughs> Anybody who thinks that the Lakers are going to do anything this year, please. Go take a cold shower and a deep breath and wait till next year because it ain't happening. With new additions and all, it ain't happening. No, this team is not good enough. They've never been good enough. Polinka made some nice moves around the trade deadline. Anthony Davis can't stay on the floor. You cannot believe that he's going to be out there. And LeBron is way, way up there. Sorry, Laker fans. This isn't going to happen for you this year. All right, to baseball here, and speaking of sorries, this is a sorry that's been handed out to different fan bases. I think of the Mets, and uh, I think of the Houston Astros and the injuries that they felt in the World Baseball Classic, but now put the Phillies on that list. First baseman Reese Hoskins carted off the field today because of a non-contact injury to his left knee. Uh, He was trying to field a grounder, second inning of the Philly spring training game against the Tigers. Looked like it was in the shallow outfield grass, and this is as non-contact of a non-contact injury as you could ever see. I mean, he is just running and then has to pull up and stop and fall. And it leads to a question now, loudly from fan bases who have been affected, Nick. What are we doing? What are we doing pre-regular season here that is putting these players at risk? And then what could we be doing to protect them? I'm not sure what that answer is. And Randy, the problem is 
that so many people are so intrigued by spring training and all these exhibition games, but it seems to be happening a little more often than it used to. All I know, having covered plenty of non-contact injuries in basketball and in football, mm-hmm. when that pops up into the storyline, that team and that player, sadly, is usually in big, big trouble. Yeah, yeah. And the, the Phillies have plenty of offensive firepower, but Reese Hoskins, you don't want to say he's a folk hero because that almost you know belittles the production that he's been able to have for this team, but he's a, a big bat in a talented lineup. But they made a move, you know. They brought in Trey Turner, and they looked at their at their potential opening day roster with a potentially healthy, you know, Bryce Harper, who was just fighting through it last season. And you got Harper and Hoskins and Trey Turner and, and on Schwarber down, and Schwarber, absolutely. And it just it takes a hit today because this is a season ender uh, for a guy in Reese Hoskins who just turned thirty on uh, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, a week ago. Uh, this one hits a home a little bit uh, to me. It's tight end Foster Moreau as we continue with three and out on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, uh, who says it was revealed. He's a former Raiders tight end, and he was uh, getting a physical with the Saints, and it was revealed during that physical that he has Hodgkin's lymphoma. He says he's going to be stepping away from football, obviously, as he, uh, as he fights this cancer. It's not the first time that we've heard of this kind of story with the Saints. Back in 2017, long snapper... Um, uh, John Dorenboss Dur- Dorenboss was diagnosed with an aortic aneurysm after a trade to New Orleans, and then former defensive tackle Nick Fairley was also diagnosed with a heart condition stemming from a physical with the team. And you you brought up we've seen this in the NBA with um with Karis Levert in in Indiana. You never know exactly what can come through in those physicals, but Randy, shout out to the medical team down there in New Orleans because it continues to happen there where they see something that maybe somebody might have missed in the past. And in many ways, this might have just saved Foster Moreau's life. Yeah, it, it might have. And, and here's to him being young and strong. And cancer certainly doesn't care about either one of those things. But hopefully it puts him in a good position uh, to start this fight, continue this fight, uh, and obviously win this fight. Uh, Nick, buddy, I, I hope we get to work together soon. I hope it's uh, it's a lot shorter of a wait than we had from the last one. Always, my man. It's it's a good time. Go enjoy the game tonight. It'll be me and uh, Aaron Goldhammer tomorrow. It's Joe and Amber next right here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.